I'm speaking about the dreams and desires of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. And it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Joel 2.28 If it matters to you, it matters to God. It matters to Him. Because He loves you. If it matters to you, you're so precious to Him. He wants to bless you. I bet Tim Ashby just can't wait to buy Iris all manner of good things. I bet he just can't wait. But he has to wait because she's too little. She can't have everything right now, can she? She's just too little. She can't manage. But as much as he can give her, he's going to give her. I mean, I remember when our kids were little, you know, and Chris would be giving them a tennis racket. And I'm like, babe, they're two, you know. Like, so the tennis racket would go in the present box, ready and waiting. And he just couldn't wait to buy his favorite books. I can't remember what they were now. What were they, babe? All your favourite kids' books? I bought them um, Snuggle Pot and Cuddle Pie. Dr. Seuss. Oh, he had all these Dr. Seuss books, and they were like three. You know, I'm like, okay, babe, well, that'll have to go back in the present box. I can't quite cope with it yet. So we've got this fabulous present box up in the cupboard. The kids were never strictly forbidden from looking in the present box. And there's another one that is I'm not allowed to look in either. So we've got two present boxes. And the present box was always full of things that the kids were far too young for. But, you know, he couldn't, couldn't resist buying them in his store, you know, that deluxe Dr. Seuss edition. I'm like, that'll be great. You know, and even now, the present boxes. And, and then sometimes it would be like we'd wrap all the presents up and then go, babe, it's, it's too many. Right, we'll just, we'll have to put it aside till the birthday. We just, it's just too much. Let's put it aside. And there's just, just, just this sort of blessing in the heart of a father that you just want to bless your child. And that comes from God. He's exactly the same. He so wants to bless us. I believe God has a present box in heaven. And it's got your name on it. And he just can't wait to give it to you. He's just kind of, well, he can wait. That's the thing. <laughs> He's very good at waiting. <laughs> His heart longs to bless you, every one of you. But he has to wait for the right time. Because if you give a tennis racket to a two-year-old, they get that tennis racket and they dong their baby brother over the head. You can't do it. That's what they use it for. They, they haven't quite figured out the ball thing. And I think it's quite similar with us, actually. I think it's quite similar to us. Proverbs thirteen twelve: Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. When that desire comes, there's life in our world. Jesus said the same thing. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It's just, you read scriptures like that and you're like, yeah. <laughs> They're almost too much, aren't they? Like, how does it work? I just want to look at how it works. I want, I, want us to, I want you to be a tree of life. It says when desire comes, it's a tree of life. A tree of life is mentioned three, in three places in the Bible. In Genesis, they couldn't touch it. After they'd seen it, it was like, don't come near the tree of life. Because it would mean that they would live eternally. And they, they could not do it. would be bad to live eternally in the sin. And then again, we start to see the tree of life in Proverbs. When God speaks to us about how to live. 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So he's showing us obedience to God begins to open up that tree of life again. That tree of life, that eternal life, that amazing life comes through obedience. And then finally we see it again in Revelation. Right there along the, the streets of gold and on, the, on either side of the river coming down from the throne. There's the tree of life that we can partake of. But we can partake of it now. And part of that is seeing our desires fulfilled. Because when you get something, it's like, wow, thank you, God. So I want to look at, at how this works. Because, you know, this is the kind of message that is easy to preach to the youth, to be honest. Oh, I want to give you the desire of your heart. And then all the young people go, yeah, I want to go overseas, I want to do this, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're 50, I don't think it's quite so easy to preach. Because, you know, life, you know, has its ups and downs and you've had some things happen. It's like, well, you know. Didn't expect that. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, do they? As they say. So, how does the how do these scriptures work? How can we get a hold of it and have that tree of life and still be, you know, over fifty and still be young? How can we do this? I believe in a balanced message. I believe there's great balance in messages, and I believe in wisdom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a bit of wisdom and a bit of balance so you can get a hold of what this means. And the first part of the desires of your heart, the beginning, is number one, right there, number one, abandonment. The first way to get the desires of your heart is to let them all go. Lose your life. The way to the kingdom is narrow. Just lay them all down. That's the only way. Let it all go. Give God a blank slate. Clear your heart out. Say, okay, God, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, it's all yours. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay it all down. I don't, when you come to God, you've got to, you've got to give him everything. It includes your desires. It includes your heart. Say, I, I'm going to give you all my life, all my desires. The will of God is everything I never knew I always wanted. And if you've got all that stuff on your heart already and it's all full, You'll never really know what he wants for you. So the best way to start with is abandonment. And some Christians are quite good at this. They have a real sense that they ought to suffer and that they ought to have a very selfless approach. And that sounds good and noble. And they sacrifice and they abandon and they lay it all down. But they never pick them up again. They just say, no, no, no. If I wanted it, it mustn't be right. That's how I started off with my Christianity. I actually thought that if I wanted it, it must be wrong. I thought, I'd really like this. But no, God wants me to suffer, so I won't get that. I mean, I even thought about getting haircuts. I'm not joking. I was potentially very religious. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, you know, why would you waste money on haircuts? Which actually, you can see, I don't actually do much to them now. <laughs> but, you know, that's not good. No, God wants me to just look plain and ugly because I'd like to look nice but he probably wants me to look ugly. I mean, it was just this weird religious spirit and that's, that's, that's not right. Actually, it sounds very sacrificial and noble but you, you'll never understand the delight to following Jesus. You'll never understand some of those scriptures and it's not kingdom thinking. It really isn't. But then there are other Christians that sort of hear a basic message on desires and they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll go with that. And so then they've got all these kind of selfish desires and they just think, I, I want this and I want that. And they never let go of those desires and it sinks them. And I've seen that. 
I've seen that. I've seen young Christians come in to churches and go, yeah, yeah, well, I want this, and I want that, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. And they go for it, but they never lay it down. They never go, well, God, what do you want? And then those desires will get a hold of them. So we need to come to a place of abandonment. I encourage you to lay all your desires down. And sometimes, you know, I, I kind of do this fairly regularly. Okay, God, I don't know. I know when I was born again, it was beautiful, wonderful, lovely to be forgiven of my sins. But I didn't actually abandon my life to God until much later. I, I gave my life to God and I believed in Him and I was definitely born again. But it was a different thing for me to go, all right, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. I heard John and Danielle Pierce, who um, oversee the movement in Australia, speaking about this. They, had a, they went to a meeting and they were all given a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper. And they, and, and they said, this is your contract with God. We want you to sign on the bottom. He said, sign it. And you know, you never sign a blank piece of paper. That's dangerous. But they did. They, she said, I remember doing it. I remember going, okay. And it was just blank. Whatever you want, God. Whatever you put on that piece of paper, I'm signed up for it. That's abandonment. I abandoned my life to God on the Faroe Islands, which is up north of England, between England and Iceland. And I went up there to visit one time when I was an exchange student in Denmark. And I lived up there and um, God strategically placed me with this lovely Christian family. And uh, the the girl said, you know, I want to be a missionary. And I'm just going to give my life to God. And I'm thinking, oh, really? Wow. I don't think I could say that. I don't think I could say I want to be a missionary. I want to go to uni and get a career and do really well. And that's really, that's scary. Who knows what God's going to do. But she, I remember just, I just looked at this family. I lived with them for a couple of weeks and I just, it was so lovely. And I remember one night going, all right, God, I'll do whatever you want. And it was just, I just abandoned my life. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if it meant I'd get married or not. I thought, I don't know if I'm going to get married. I don't know. What do you want? Oh, I still had some desires, but I'm like, maybe not. I've given to you. See what you're going to do with my desires. So I gave them up. And then I let God write them back on my heart again. Because he gives you the desires of your heart. He gives you the desires of your heart. So what that means is, two, you can hear there's two things that that means. It means that as your heart is just open and ready for him, he starts to put desires back in. I, I, I want this. I still want this. And then he gives them to you because they're his, because you're working together with him. It's so exciting. It's so fun. But let's look at some unhealthy desires. Let's try and establish. We've, we've looked at, first of all, giving God a, a clean heart, a blank slate. That's the beginning, abandonment. But number two is looking at unhealthy desires that we have in our hearts and that need to be dealt with in our heart and our flesh. Because if you get them, they're nightmares. John says in 1 John 2.15, don't love the world nor the things of the world. That's quite big. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So there are desires that are unhealthy and wrong and we need to deal with them. And you know what? It's not hard to recognize. There's the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5.19 talks about those desires, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, jealousy, arguing, etc., etc. And the point that he makes is the desires of the flesh are manifest, i.e. obvious. It's obvious. 
But that's not God. That's the flesh. So, you, you know, if you, if you want to drink, you have a glass of wine and you go, oh, I might just have another one. I went to a hockey dinner last night with my lovely friends from hockey and I observed this phenomena that you have one and then you have another and then you have another and then you notice that the conversation is becoming very boring. It's like, oh, here we go. You know, I don't mix with these kinds of people much, but it's just this desire. Why? What, what, why? I don't understand. Why I have two, three, four? Why? Why? I'm a street. But that's the flesh. So if you feel the flesh calling you for more, say no. Just say no. Because it's a nightmare if you get what the flesh wants. It's a nightmare. It's no dream. And then there's selfish desires. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't just look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Timothy talks about the love of money. I have a big car. I want a big car. These are selfish desires. How come, how come she gets to be up there? I, I want to be up there doing that. How come they get such a great job? I'm not smarter than them. Why don't I get what? How come they get paid so much? This is just selfishness. This is comparison. These aren't healthy desires. This is just selfish desires. But God speaks to us about, and, and, you know, wanting others to do well. I'm so glad they get paid more than me. I'm so glad his business is more profitable than mine. Yay! <laughs> I'm so glad that she's better looking than me. Yay! <laughs> you know, I, I used to speak to us the kids' friends when they were little. I said, what, what do you want to do? And I cannot tell you how many of their friends, when they were little, would say, I want to be a famous singer. Or, I want to be a famous actor. <laughs> or, I want to be famous. I'm just like, <laughs> it's just nuts. There's this whole concept of fame. And the desire to be famous is in itself selfish. It's the pride of life. I want a lot of people to like me. Why don't you just say, I want to be a singer and serve God and sing and be beautiful and help people and bless people. No, no, I want to be famous. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to notice me. That's, that's not, that's a selfish desire. That's the pride of life. And he says that, that desire, the pride of life is not, is not of God. So you've got to sift through your desires and, and sort of get out the, the selfish bits. If I was to say to you, I want to be an Olympic swimmer, You'd say, why the Olympic part, Ruth? <laughs> what, you want to be, like, famous, well-known? Have you considered your skill factor? Have you considered your age? <laughs> you know? You just leave out the Olympic part. I want to be a swimmer. Just get in there and swim. You know, that's, so you've got to take, you've got to, you've, sometimes you've got a, a desire sort of part good, part bad. Take out the bad selfish bits or the fleshy bits and sift them and get before God. Some desires are just not biblical. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't want to suffer anymore. Fine. You won't suffer when you go to heaven. Now, I'm talking about the desires and dreams of your heart. But, you know, God says, I, I'm going to bless you. leave your mother and father, I'm going to bless you and give you a hundredfold. With persecution. <laughs> you always get persecuted. I'm talking about dreams and desires, but I'm not talking about having a, an easy life. In fact, a lot of the time you get the desires of your heart. It's hard work. You know, as the Ashby's will soon discover with eyes. So I want another baby. And now they've got two. Well, it's really hard work. You know, they're not always exactly how you think the dreams and desires of your heart. It comes along with persecution and hard work. So if your desires are unbiblical, then you need to deal with that. We had a good friend who um, went to a pastor's meeting once with his pastor down in Sydney. Big meeting. A bit of a biggish church. They had a couple of pastors, a few staff members. And the pastor said, 
I just want to let you all know that God has released me from my marriage and he has revealed to me that I can now be with Secretary. And um, so we're going to move forward. You know, I've already prayed about it. We're doing God. And our friend said that they sat in this meeting and everyone was completely quiet. I think they were shocked. And then he said, no, no, no. What? What? No, what? Wait a minute. What? No. Wait, what? What? No. No. And he got sort of annoyed and he said, no, you're just, you're just quenching. You know, this is God. We're really feeling it. You know, that. And he was like, no. And they ended up having a bit of a fight. And he left. And he was just like, what? Anyway, they, they dealt, you know, the... Um, he was in the AOG, the AOG movement. They dealt with him and, you know, obviously they realised, you know, they're godly people. So they removed him from his pastorate and they reshuffled everything and organised it. But he did, you know, he did end up with his girl. But the funny part of the story was, which is quaint, is that they went down to Oxford Falls. I suppose they wanted to sort of go somewhere else. This new couple. And then, and that was the very Sunday that our friends went. And our friend, you know, she's a, she was a godly woman. And she, she was good friends with the wife. And she saw that couple down there worshipping. She felt the wrath of God. She was so angry with them. How dare they sit in past a field church and worship away, you know. And she just said, something came over me, Ruth. I just couldn't stop. So she marched down the aisle, marched up to them, and slapped him in the face. She fully slapped him. And then she slapped her. And you can imagine, I mean, apparently, I, I, apparently it was quite a kerfuffle. You know, all the deacons were like, whoa, whoa, someone's slapping someone. Let's just deal with it. And so they had to go in. And, and our friend Jeff was like, oh, did that just happen? Like, did that just happen? He was so embarrassed, you know. And the deacons were getting, got them out and all that. And off they went. And anyway, it was a funny story. And then they got a visit from the police. You know, Inspector Boggs had come along. I hear, you know, there's an assault. It's being reported. And she says, yeah. Do you know what he did? Do you know what he did? And she said to the policeman, Turn, he's wiped her, couldn't use her. And he said, All right, all right. He said, But just, just don't do it again, all right? And he went off. And apparently, Brian Houston also was dealing with it, said to Jeff, uh, Jeff, is it true that, uh, maybe I shouldn't say her name, I'll just say Jeff, so we're not identifying them too much. But is it true your wife um, actually sort of hit someone in Pastor Church? Yeah. All right, okay. And then he said secretly, yeah, we've all been wanting to do that. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what you've got to do with unhealthy desires. Just slap them in the face. Don't go slapping people, okay? I mean, that was a bit out there. <laughs> but, you know, um, she just was too angry about it all. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. Come on. You, you, don't, you know that's ridiculous. So there's unhealthy desires. And so we've got to sort of deal with these things. But... 1 Thessalonians says a good thing too. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business and work with your hands. So I'm kind of reading that and thinking, what does that mean? It doesn't say mind your own business, it's attend to your business. Meaning, do what God has called you to do. But it talks about a quiet life, that word is still. It's still. So part of the conditions of the desires of our heart is that God doesn't want us to lose our peace in the pursuit of a goal. God doesn't, our desires are going to lead us to a life that is busy but not frantic. A life that has a, a balance about it. And so we can see that too, that, you know, people who, who have these desires, and they say, but this is a dream, this is a desire from God. I'm like, yes, but, you know, if your family's suffering or this isn't working out. Once again, we have to just 
take a certain balance and, and good measure with these things. And this is not hard. It's not confusing, really. If you're in a, a good church, you can just, you've got desires, you've got dreams, just talk to a few people about it. And, and be real and come together and all of this will be obvious what, what the desire is. It's just a, a little bit of wisdom. Just a little bit of wisdom. So now we get to the fun bit. We've got the balance, abandonment, healthy desires and dealing with things that just obviously aren't God. And now we get to the fun bit. We've done that. And we spend time with God. If you spend time with God, passion for God will give birth to passion for other things. It really will. It really will. He will give you desire. You'll start to come up and you'll be excited about things and we can dream. We can start to dream. We can start to work with God. And it's very exciting. So our first desire, our first and ultimate desire is our desire for Him. To just be with Him. To be in His Word. The Bible says, My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. David said, One thing, one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His tabernacle. I'm telling you right now, once, once you understand what it is to love Him and desire Him and be with Him, I can talk about all the other desires, but they're kind of like, meh. Really. You know, we've got, if you have a hierarchy of desires, this is the one desire. And once you get this desire, I'm going to talk about all sorts of desires, but once you get this desire, actually, it's kind of the only desire. It really is. It's so far and above everything else. Just... There's nothing more fun in my life. Nothing even comes close to having a day alone at home. It's nice if the house is already clean, <laughs> so I don't notice it, but at least I can tidy my bedroom and just spend the day with Jesus. It's, it's a delight. And I don't get to, you'd think I'd get to do it a lot, but it's really, I really have to fight for those days. I mean, you know, it's one thing to get an hour, but so, I mean, I know we all have to fight for a day like that. You need to put it in your diary and I'm going on a date with Jesus. And just go and be with Him. And it's such a delight. It's such a delight. And all desires come from that desire. And, and when we spend time in Him, it births in us. It births in Because He wants us, you know, and I, I, you have to have paper, pen and paper. Like, you can't, I just cannot go praying without pen and paper because so many thoughts and ideas come. And I used to think they were distractions. I'm trying to pray to God and I keep getting distracted by all these ideas. <laughs> but now I know that it's God. You know, he's talking to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize it was two way. So I pray. I start to pray about things. Oh, that's why I get all these things I've got to do. Let's just write it down. Okay, that, 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 that. All got to be done. All right, then I go back. Oh, wow. Oh, let's write that down. And it's really fun. I'm writing and talking and talking, you know, Bible verses. That's what we've got to do. So this desire to, to know him, to love him. In Philippians, he said, I count all things lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is our desire. He is our desire. He is the desire of the nation. So we desire to know him and then closely followed is his desire to serve him. Once we, once we know him, we want to help. We want to do stuff. We want to, we want to go to church. If you don't love coming to church, I would question your love for God. Really, really, really. Because the Bible is absolutely clear about that. If you love God, you love his people. You love them. And John says, if you don't love Christians, you don't love God. He says it. He says it straight out. He says, this is how we know whether you're a Christian or not. If you love Christians, you're going to love God. 
Because when you see a Christian, when you see someone with that sparkle in their eye and they spent time with God, you're like, with God, you just love them. You just can't wait to come to church. You know, and you just can't wait to be with other Christians. So if you don't love coming to church, then start coming. And it can work the other way around a bit too. You spend time with Christians and you start to see how they are. You go, they all love God and I really love them, so maybe I love God too. So then you've got to get back in with God. So, so you get these desires to serve Him. You might start to think, oh, I just, I just want to do this. I want to help. I'll do anything. I want to help out. I want to, and, it's not, and, and then it becomes a delight to serve Him. It becomes a delight. You know, you, and, you, and what you are uniquely designed for, you will start to dream about. You just start thinking about playing or you start thinking about preaching or you, you see that, you know, the place needs tidying up. I love it to look good. Or you, or you think, oh, I want my business to go well because I want to make lots of money. I love to give more. I could buy that. I could, I could pay for that. I could pay for that. And God starts to put these desires. That's, they're legitimate. That's kingdom desires. They're awesome. We need to go, run with those desires and run with what God, how he wants us to work. I've written here, criticism is sometimes inactivated desire. I've often noticed this, that people, when they come up to me and they're particularly critical of something, it's because they, 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 want, they want to make it better. They know about it, you know? Like a musician will say, oh, that, that drummer was really out of beat. And I'm like, really? You know, because I always ask Erin, Erin Crowther, about the music, because she's really non-musical and she's really hopeless. Like, How is the music process? Great. But you talk to a musician and they notice things. And they've got a desire, but that's inactivated desire. Don't sit and criticize. That's desire. Recognize you've got desire. If you noticed, if you noticed that some people say, gee, the floor needed a vacuum. And I'm like, well, I never even noticed. You know, I didn't notice. There's heaps of things I don't notice about the church. People come to me, they're really upset about it. And I'm like, I think this might be for you. This is for you. If you feel you're criticizing something or it's not up to scratch in this church, it's because you're the one that's meant to be doing it. That's your desire. Instead of using the desire to move into it, you're turning the desire back around in and just criticizing the people who aren't doing it. So criticism, remember that. It's inactivated desire. As soon as you see that, start to realize that and, and move in. Dreams in business, art, and creativity. So once you start to dream and serve God, you know, you're going to be creative. You're going to be artistic. Your business is going to flourish. You're going to get ideas that are amazing. Bill Johnson writes a great book called Dreaming with God that I loved reading. And he tells the story of a friend of his who, who enjoyed archery as a child. And you know what it is with Americans. They're always hunting something. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he liked archery. And but the, 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 the bows had a particular issue that he didn't like. There was something about, I, I meant to bring the book. Oh, I did bring the book. You know, I just realized I'm more organized than I thought. You just put it straight in and then it stays in there. Uh, unless you took it out. Nope, I didn't bring the book. Okay. So, <laughs> so I remember it though. So he designed a new system with archery. And it's true because I Googled his name and I found him. He, 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 designed, he, got, he, he knew there was a problem with the way it, the bows were, something about it. And so he, he would think about it, and it would cause problem when you're shooting. And he was dreaming, and one night he dreamt, he actually had a dream of a piece of paper that came down, and on it was a picture of a new bow. And he went, wow. And he made the bow, and he sold it, and he's now got this multi-million dollar, he's, it's like the only one of its kind, and he, 
He got the patent for it, and he, he's made millions of dollars out of it. And part of his dream was that he wanted to have a business that was so successful that he had some space to be able to serve God. And so now he's been able to do that with this new design. And that's like, wow, God can give you creative. I believe that, you know, God can give us ideas, business ideas, ways of doing things that have never been done before, products. Now, you might not get a piece of paper that comes out of heaven like that, but you'll come up with ideas. God will speak to you. I've been speaking to a couple of people lately, and they've been getting words of knowledge, and they don't know what to do with them. I'm sure Linda won't mind me telling you about hers. She, she was, like last week, she was, and again, God is just speaking. She was, they said, oh, we've got to do the communion. She went, we're not going to do communion. But she just, no one had said that. She said, Did anyone here from Chris? No, we don't know. Well, she didn't know. She knew. I'm not meant to do it. But she just did it anyway. Because <laughs> she didn't listen. And then she just, and then Chris comes, oh, I never tell you, sorry, we're not going to do it because we've got cancer and everything. And she's like, I knew that. God told me. He's speaking to us all the time about all sorts of little things. And I really, I want you to spend time with him because if one idea, one system, one way, one connection can have a huge impact in your world. So dream, spend time, think, write it down. What, you know, whether you're young and you're thinking about a whole career or a whole, what does God want me to do? Or whether you've been around for a while, it's all, you can start from now. Start going, okay, let's start fresh. How can I make this business work? What does God want to do? Desires in family, desires to be a great mum, to see, see your family's life. God, God is putting these desires in our heart and we've got to, you know, start to activate them. Just, just, you know, you might even imagine having people over for a meal and how to make that meal beautiful or how to, how to cook something. There's so many things in life that I think God is completely interested in and wants us to be involved with. Sometimes these desires are delayed. Sometimes they're, they're for heaven. I, I, you know, I've lived in a few houses in my life, and one thing I've noticed is you never quite get the perfect home. It's just like, it's just something always a bit, it's like inside of the neighbours, or this room's not quite right, or there's always something. And I, I realised it's because it's not quite home. It's like trying to get the perfect tent. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen, is it, when you're camping? You, you've got you to go home. <laughs> you, you know, people, you see people set up their tents to make them look amazing, but ultimately it's just still camping. It's still a tent. And so ultimately there's some, there's some sort of yearning that is just heaven. The perfect place to live, it's just heaven. The perfect wife or husband, they're really great. I love them to bits, but... <laughs> well, you don't go out and get a new one. That's the first thing, okay? But there are some desires that are delayed, but keep dreaming and keep desiring. Because I believe also that we, we, I'm so into we, I'm so into all of us. And our desires, my desires don't just belong to me. They don't just belong to me. That's another thing we've got to understand. Dream on. You might think this is never going to happen, but it may be happening in the next generation. It may happen for your children. I mean, we've got dreams and desires that we had that, that our children are fulfilling. I've told you this before. It's just so exciting to see. You know, even, even things like Chris would have this dream to play rugby for Australia. I mean, who does that? No one plays rugby for Australia. You know, I mean, that's, that's very, very hard. But, you know, our son played rugby for the Australian Army. Yeah, pretty close. And even they, you know, they wore the green and gold and they went over to America. And, and then they got on the plane one time and the pilot made a mistake and said, and today we have the Australian rugby team coming with us. And the husband thought he left out the army bit, which is 
quite a big difference. But anyway, they just they left it out, and he thought, yeah, I'll take it. And they got a big clap from the whole, you know, the whole planet. It was like, wow, the Australian rugby team. And I thought. I don't see anyone I recognise. But anyway, but the army guys, the army guys, I mean, they look like the Australian army team. They're all huge. And they're all just like, yeah, yeah, we're rocking it. That's okay. So, you know, for a moment there, he was in the Australian rugby team. But, um, but you know, look, some desire to be for your children or for, for us. Us. I mean, Christine Pringle had a desire to go and minister in Russia. I'm not her child, but I was in her church. And she was so excited when we went to Russia. It was I mean, she just went on and on and on about it because it was her dream. And I have no doubt at all that we were part of fulfilling her dream. I'd never really dreamt about going to Russia. I had dreamt about being a missionary. In fact, I was nervous about being a missionary, remember? That was like, I don't want to be a missionary. I think I'll just be a nice lawyer and make lots of money. But, but, you know, God did want me to be a missionary. And you know what? I love being a missionary. But I think that was part of Christine's desire, mixed in with my desire. And that's all about our teamwork. That's how it all works together. And I never knew that I wanted to go to Russia. You see, this is a funny thing. This is the will of God sometimes, is desires that I always knew, but, but I, never, no, I never knew that I always wanted. When I went there, I loved it. I love Russians. I'm just surrounded by Russians. I'm Danavia. Everywhere. Where are the Cherkovs? They're all on holidays, are they? All together. There you go. Sometimes desires come in a different way from that we expected, and some things are just a bit of a mystery. <laughs> I'm quite sure how these are going to work out, God. But don't let mystery cause you to write off what God is doing. Just because some things you don't get, there's always going to be things we don't get. I mean, how big is your brain? It's not a lot bigger than mine. It's probably, what, about that big? Is it in there? About, about that big? Oh, uh, look. Is it? Two fists, thank you, from our medical scientist back there. Two. So it's about your two, five sides of two of your fists. It's quite big. But I mean, we don't understand the mysteries of the universe, do we? I can never get over the pride of man that thinks that we can. God wants to, has desires for you for just fun things, just lovely things, all sorts of things. I, 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 you know, all sorts of dreams and all sorts of visions. Look. I've got here my list, and I want you all to do a list. I want you all to write a list of desires. Because once you get the main things sorted out, God's going to give you all sorts of fun things. I have a... um, I want you to write a list of your dreams and desires. Everything. Start with the important stuff and get down to all the other stuff. And watch God give it to you. I once went out for a walk and I saw the birds. I went, I love these birds. I'd like to get a book about birds. That'd be nice. A book that tells there must be a book. There must be that. I didn't know, but there must be books that tell you what all the birds are and what you know, and what how who they are, what they are. I went home, had a meeting in our house that night, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and on my kitchen bench was a bird book, identification of birds in Australia. I was like, <gasps> it was almost frightening. I was like, whoa. And I was like, babe, did you put that bird book on the kitchen bench? She says, no. What bird book? Why have we got a bird book? And they'll be I, I, it's just so weird. Like yesterday, I just went, I want a bird. I didn't even know what they were. I want a bird book. And it's on my kitchen bench the next day. I could never get I just was like, what? And then, you know, we'd had a meeting in our house. So I asked around a few people. And one of the guys said, oh, yeah, I was coming out of a cupboard. I found a on the kitchen bench. I'm like, what made 
you think that I would want a bird book? Because I wasn't into birds at that point. And he went, I don't know. I just thought, oh, Ruth would want that. And I'm like, that is so strange. I said, when did you clean out your cupboard? He said, oh, a week ago. I'm just like, that is so rare. Like, when he cleaned out his cupboard, God was, God was saying, clean out your cupboard. That went for Ruth. Put that aside. Remember to take it to the meeting. Remember, because that's going to be the very next day after she wants it. He got the bird book for me before I even knew I wanted it. I just thought that was the, I just thought that was so cool. I love that he gave that to me. So I want you all to write a dream list and have all sorts of, of wonderful things there and dream with God. And I'm going to finish off by just looking at some of the things on my list. I did this with Linda the other day. We had a great deal of fun. Linda's list is funnier than my list. It really is. It's a very funny list. One of the things on Linda's list is to sit under the flight path in the Sydney airport and uh, Tempe. She wants to go to Tempe. Nowhere in particular, just anywhere on the side of the road. Oh, there is a coffee shop, but she wants to sit under the flight path. So I think that's wonderful. I want to know God more. I'm just going to read some of them. I want to raise someone from the dead. <laughs> that's fun. I want to see more spiritual gifts, more miracles. I want to raise up disciples. I want to go on a prayer retreat. I want to have more peace in my life. I want a home for my grandchildren. Yeah, that's our next kind of season of life that we're starting to plan for. I want to go to Greece. Why is that funny? I didn't say it. They're all just teasing you, Eleanor. It's okay, no pressure. I want to go to Queenstown in New Zealand. That's going to happen. It's so going to happen. You know, I, these are, the thing is, these things don't matter. All that matters is that I know God. But I, my experience is really when I write these things down that God starts to move because he just wants to bless me. Remember, there's a big present box in heaven. And so when you get the, th- the, the important things right, he's just happy to throw out these other things. And then, you know, the interesting thing is sometimes he gives them to you and then you go, huh, it's not that great because all that really matters is him. And sometimes he gives them to you and you're like, oh, sometimes if you haven't got them, the, the first desires, the real desires right, he gives them to you as well and you go, Oh, oh, he goes, yeah, you really wanted this, didn't you? You sacrificed a lot. Is it really that important? And you go, all right, back to the drawing board, God. But once you've got everything in order, you can just enjoy some of the fun things. I want another Chris Dewar painting. (laughs) I want a pair of Doc Martens. I think they're very cool. I would like a pair of Doc Martens. Why is that funny? I don't know why you're laughing at my desires. I think Linda's desires are much funnier than my desires. You should read Linda's list. It's very funny. I want to see an albatross. I've never seen an albatross. I can't wait to see an albatross. I've got all sorts of fun desires there. Praise God. You make sure that you're dreaming. Just do this list, please. Please do this list. It's a good list to do. Make sure you've got all sorts of dreams, all sorts of desires for your business, for your family, for, for life. Dream, dream, dream. Joel promised. He said, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. See what God will do. Be balanced. Be wise. But don't let that stop you from dreaming big for God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, God. God is good. Father God. It's so amazing that you said you would give us the desires of our heart, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that we would be a church that is 
Number one, desiring you. Number one, giving you our lives, laying them down for you, trusting you, trusting that you're amazing. Father God, I thank you that you are the dream giver, Lord God. It's so fun serving you, Lord God. It's so awesome. Praise God. Bless God. Let's do that list. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Thank you.